Votes and Ballots. This is the podcast about elections around the world. With me, Daniel Stefanov. Hello. Today we're going to have a more general talk about elections, how we're going to use more technologies in the electoral process in the coming years, what is the main challenge for the elections today and how is the electoral assistance actually done. My guest is a co-founder and executive director of one of the biggest European organizations for electoral assistance and this is the European Centre for Electoral Support. This is also a man with huge electoral experience. His name is Fabio Bargiacchi. Now I'm saying hello to Fabio and welcome to Votes and Ballots podcast. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for giving me and the European Center for Electoral Support to provide our views and share a little bit of our comparative experience that we have built up in the last 25 years. Thank you. I'll start with a, with a very general question. Uh, as someone who has so many years already in the election assistance, how would you describe the global situation with the elections Uh, these days, you know that there were a number of attempts to, to put some pressure on election administration, on, on the public trust in the electoral system. Is this a symptom or, it's a, or these are just isolated cases around the world? No, thank you, Daniel. These are very pertinent uh, questions and then it reflects certainly, in our own opinion, uh, a trend uh, that is going to uh, further increase. Uh, as um, the use of uh, social networks uh, is increasing uh, when it comes to the build-up of consensus, political consensus, also around electoral matters. Uh, so around the world and also in the countries where we are working, mostly, but not only in Africa and the Middle East, we have seen uh, the increased use from uh, political parties, uh, candidates, contestants of uh, uh, social networks in a different manner and therefore also using uh, uh, fake news at advantage for uh, these political parties, candidates, competitors in elections or sometimes also deep fake uh, in order to uh, build up uh, consensus in a rather fraudulent uh, way. Therefore, it's not only trend that has uh, certainly emerged in Western countries, but it has been um, actually now a trend also in the countries where we are working, as I was saying, mainly in Africa and the Middle East, and it's going to continue without any doubt. The good news uh, is that not only, say, political parties uh, and, and candidates are starting to use this kind of, let's say, technology, at their own advantage, but uh, this kind of technology is also known and very much used by uh, electoral management bodies and then by um, civic society organizations that are dealing with the civic voter education, with domestic observations, also implementing parallel vote tabulation, and also conflict mapping and media monitoring. For instance, just to make you examples, uh, some of our most important activity is to support both electoral management bodies and civil society organizations to uh, increase their own um, knowledge and capacity on the use of social networks through media monitoring and the institutional communication. We are supporting 
uh, EMBs and civil society organizations to have their own media monitoring unit internally. So to carry out 24 hours, seven media monitor on traditional media, so press and television and newspaper, but also on social uh, networks. And therefore uh, to have the possibility to understand how the social networks and build up of consensus is working and they have the possibility um, uh, to respond yeah, when it comes to electoral management bodies and uh, actually to expose this kind of uh, uh, situation when it comes to civil society organizations that are dealing also as watchdog for mm. electoral and political processes. Yeah. Uh, very interesting that that actually yeah technologies are, are going not only geographically uh, widely in use but also as you said uh, they are more and more used by even by non-government organizations even in in Africa and the Middle East is there something that you would call it the biggest problem of elections these days the biggest problem of uh, elections in these days especially for the um, use uh, and extensive use of uh, social networks, deep, deep fake, as we were saying, it is uh, for uh, electoral management bodies and, and elect other electoral stakeholders to maintain the trust on the process and especially on the electoral management bodies. They should be perceived, and uh, I underline perceived, which sometimes uh, uh, perception is more important than reality as uh, independent and neutral and serving the electoral process and not some part or some uh, um, uh, political parties or candidates. So mm -hmm. therefore, this is the most important challenge uh, that there is at present, maintenance of trust in the process from the public opinion, electoral, but also candidates and political parties on the work of the electoral management bodies, which is including uh, all the activities which are linked especially to voter registration, not to disenfranchise groups uh, or voters according to political affiliations, and especially to transmission, aggregation, and proclamation of results. Uh, these are the two most important operations in an election, or the most delicate, um, uh, that are most prone as well for, uh, uh, let's say, fraudulent activities in order to arrange uh, results in, in favor of one or another candidate. And this is uh, why we are also working at the European Center for Electoral Support with the funding of the European Union and European Union member states um, to support uh, electoral management bodies, civil society organizations, electoral justice institutions, dealing with electoral dispute resolutions with activities to increase um, uh, their own capacity and bring in our own comparative experience for them uh, to implement at best, um, let's say, counter techniques in order to maintain and increase the trust on their own institutions, on the work they are doing, and at the end, on the uh, electoral process uh, at large. Yeah, uh, so organizations like yours, and not only yours, but several more organizations around the world, big organizations, are doing everything that they can to ensure that elections are, uh, are conducted in a very good technical way, right? But can we have good elections uh, only with technical on technical level? No, certainly you do have uh, many examples around the world where um, electoral operations uh, were conducted in a very decent 
in a comprehensive manner, but politically the elections did not result in a success because the results were not accepted uh, from one side or from, uh, from another. So certainly they cannot be credible, comprehensive, sustainable, cost-effective elections if they're not the political will of the government and uh, opposition parties to contribute to the increase of trust on the electoral management bodies, on the process per se. We have seen it in many, in many countries, and therefore, certainly, there is an important effort that all the actors which are involved in contributing to the electoral process uh, to increase the, the trust on, on, the, on the process per se. And when I say the different actors, I put in the middle as well, of course, uh, uh, the international community at large, uh, so certainly, as we say all the time, electoral assistance is mostly targeting to the proper management of relations between all the electoral stakeholders and therefore electoral management bodies, civil society organizations, political parties, uh, electoral justice institutions, uh, security forces, and the international community uh, at large. Not to forget also uh, provider of uh, material and services uh, for uh, elections, which are also an important actor, um, that when contracted by yes. an electoral body, uh, by donors, uh, they need to perform uh, properly. Otherwise, uh, you have uh, uh, issues that are related to uh, delays in, uh, yeah. uh, in, 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 the, in the elections uh, because some material was not uh, properly produced or, or distributed. Or, or, yeah. yeah, sometimes if the, if the ballot papers are are delayed only because of technical reasons, uh, this could be actually, this could be turning into a real political problem, uh, no, no matter that it's just a technical one sometimes. Votes and ballots. We started already talking about these specificities uh, on the ground and uh, you said many times Africa. I know that uh, your organization, the European Center for Electoral Support was involved in the um, in the Ethiopian elections um, a couple of weeks ago. Can you give us some, some general description what this election was like? Because we know that Ethiopia is a huge country, um, which obviously brings a lot of uh, logistical challenges. Uh, you have a specific uh, political problem there uh, these days. So it was a very interesting uh, election for, for the audience. No, thank you, Daniel. Indeed, um, activities that we are implementing in Ethiopia since two years now uh, have been uh, funded by the European Union, uh, Germany, and lately also by Ireland and Denmark. And there uh, we were asked to support both the civil society organizations when it comes uh, to preventing and mapping electoral conflicts and also uh, the national electoral board of ethiopia in order to um, increase the uh, knowledge and, and comparative of experience in uh, in carrying out elections but also to support electoral operation per se and on this one we have uh, very well collaborated with the united nations development program and also uh, with the International Foundation for uh, Electoral Systems, ISO. Altogether, we have uh, strived and, and um, provided uh, our uh, support to the National Electoral Commission uh, in order to organize uh, 
the operation and as you reminded in a rather challenging uh, uh, political uh, and conflict environment, uh, including mm. the situation in the Tigray. Uh, so let's say uh, for the political assessment, of course, uh, um, the European Union, European Union member states, US uh, and other um, uh, organization, including the African Union, uh, are the proposed organization to make this uh, assessment. What we can say uh, um, is that uh, together with UNDP and IFES, uh, we have supported the best operationally uh, the, uh, the electoral commissions in Ethiopia. Um, and uh, we were uh, happy to see um, that the elections uh, were operationally uh, carried out as it was uh, uh, expected and foreseen, despite the political uh, challenges that were before, during, and after and after uh, these elections. So, so we hope the 6th of September will be on the same wavelength uh, and uh, we hope uh, that the um, Ethiopian authorities and uh, their own partner will solve all the different challenges uh, that they're facing since, uh, since a while nowadays. Yeah, yeah. A very different question. Where do you think that the elections will, will, will go from now? Because we see that after uh, 2016 U.S. presidential elections, uh, there was kind of a sharp decline of, of the use of technologies in the in the electoral process, and now maybe it's it, it is this is already in a change because of the COVID-19 situation. Many um, election management bodies decided to implement certain type of of um, uh, technologies to overcome the challenges from from the pandemic. What do you think will be will be the future of elections with technologies or without technologies? No, thank you, Daniel. This is another very pertinent question. But certainly, I can say that from our own experience, uh, the increased use of uh, uh, technology that has affected in the last uh, 30, 40 years all uh, line of business will certainly not stop also for elections. And here we, we have to make a caveat because when we think about technology or ICTs, let's say information communication technology used in elections, so we immediately think to electronic voting machines or internet voting or electronic transmission of results. Let's not make this mistake because ICTs, they are used in each and single step of an electoral cycle nowadays. And then I can make an example on, on uh, you know, let's say security features on, on ballot papers, which are more more advanced. Um, we can talk about uh, all sorts of uh, uh, techniques that are used in civic voter education campaigns, and I can continue uh, ad infinitum, let's say. Uh, yeah. So therefore, certainly, uh, um, even thanks to the COVID, let's say, reorganization of, of uh, our own life, um, uh, to face this pandemic, the um, increase of technology in the elections will continue. However, uh, there is uh, another important caveat. Uh, the use of technology in any electoral process are strictly and only linked to the trust that is enjoyed by the electoral management bodies implementing and using this technology. Uh, and the, what, what is the perception of trust that electorate have of, of this use of technology, which in principle, if well used, it is promising to bring cost effectiveness and more transparency um, uh, to the, an electoral process, create a more fair, um, let's say, 
level uh, um, uh, playground for the different uh, uh, contestant political parties and competitors. However, if it is a hill use, it, it brings exactly the contrary. It brings opacity, it brings political parties and contestants that are not trusting uh, uh, the process and uh, ultimately brings actually conflict if uh, 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 results are not accepted. So we are certainly for the appropriate uh, and cautious use uh, or introduction of uh, the electoral cycle as it happening in any uh, uh, line of business. However, um, we need to take in consideration the time of introduction um, of this technology and the time of digestion of the use of this uh, technology from the electorate. And uh, recently we have uh, published comparative experience of, of what uh, could be used by Nigerian electoral yeah. stakeholders. Yeah. Uh, I was Nigerian... about to ask you about this paper, yeah. Thank it's you. A very Danny. good comparison of different experiences from, from Africa on the vote. But when we say the vote, we understand the whole range of, of uh, IT opportunities, right? Indeed. Indeed. So therefore, uh, Nigeria, because of the um, because of the size of its population, at present more than 200 million, have uh, since long time considered electronic voting uh, and electronic transmission of results for obvious uh, logistical reasons um, uh, that in Nigeria has resulted in postponement of uh, uh, the elections uh, since 99. In each and single, uh, in each and single electoral event, uh, including the one in 2019, for one reason or another, sometimes was uh, political or security reasons. But uh, in 2019, the postponement was actually due uh, to uh, late uh, delivery of um, ballot papers and uh, and uh, the important logistical operational challenges to deliver these ballot papers with all the um, electoral materials. Uh, yeah. to the, to the all polling stations uh, around uh, around Nigeria. So yeah. certainly, there has as, been uh, as we discussed, uh, a, a technical problem could could turn into a political one. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was the case. And this is why, for each and single elections, you have this uh, debate in Nigeria if to use or not to use electronic voting. That obviously, uh, it is the sole responsibility of decision of Nigerian authority. What we can do is to bring our comparative experience. And then uh, since uh, we had the possibility uh, to work previously and exchange our uh, views with the electoral ma management bodies of Brazil, especially Indonesia, India, and Namibia, uh, we wanted to bring those experience uh, to Nigerian electoral stakeholders for their own informed decision uh -huh. on, uh, on, on the application or not uh, uh, introduction of, uh, of electronic voting in the next election or subsequent elections. I read recently that Pakistan have, has already done, I think, uh, like uh, three uh, votings uh, with uh, different machines. So obviously there is a new wave of uh, implementing technologies in Asia uh, and Africa. We'll see how it will evolve. Votes and ballots. I'm going to ask you now about the European response to electoral cycle support. This is uh, your specific approach. Uh, it's a second uh, updated version that is going to be presented soon. So can you tell us about, uh, about this um, 
European response to electoral cycle support? What is it? No, thank you, Daniel. Uh, um, this approach, uh, EUREX, the European response on electoral cycle support, has been our approach since we have established a case, which is an innovative delivery uh, mechanism in order to implement electoral and democracy support activities that are conversant with the, um, the policy and procedures, especially of the European Union, but also of European Union member states. Uh, this is uh, uh, because we have established a case back in 2010 with the clear idea of uh, establishing a not-for-profit European independent non-partisan foundation uh, in order to serve the electoral cooperation between the EU, EU member states and their own partner countries, especially when it comes to a case in Africa and the Middle East, not forgetting that uh, we had also the possibility to work uh, in, uh, in um, Eastern Europe, like Ukraine or mm -hmm. Bosnia or Kosovo, or uh, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Asia, uh, like in Afghanistan. Uh, Eurex, it is uh, uh, existing, let's say, has a copyrighted approach since 2016, but since 2010 has been our own approach, which I think is also one of the reasons of, of uh, our uh, success, where um, at present, ECAS uh, is um, uh, together with the uh, United Nations Development Program, International IDEA, and the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe uh, among the four most important implementers of electoral assistance funded by the European Union worldwide. Yeah. Uh, so, what is important here is that uh, we are, uh, of course, providing more political. Uh, and project visibility to um, the European Union is all member states when they wish so. Uh, yeah. In some countries, they, they maybe they do not wish to be so visible, but when they want to be visible, of course, funding and implementing activity with the European Center for Electoral Support, it is an obvious uh, visible advantage. And then, of course, because we are a not-for-profit foundation and we try to be as lean uh, and flexible as possible in our headquarters, we have much less cost when it comes to human resources and also operations than not obviously uh, in very large international or multi-governmental organizations. Organization, yeah. uh, this is uh, what, what I think are uh, our own adult. And we were very happy last year, uh, the, the Paris Peace Forum, the, the between brackets, the Davos of governance that was yeah. established on the initiative of uh, President Macron. Uh, three, four years ago, um, has actually awarded us as uh, one of the most promising uh, projects that is replicable uh, in many other countries. And therefore, we have received an important mentorship uh, through the Paris Peace Forum uh, via the former director of the United Nations Peacekeeping Department, uh, Jean Guénaud, and the former um, director general of the Development Cooperations uh, and uh, of the European Commission, Stefano Manservisi. Okay, I'll finally uh, ask you a very, I mean, it's, it's a fun question. Do you have a specific election or a specific method of voting that, it, that you find your favorite? I like this close voting uh, that you can find in uh, one or two countries. Do you have anything like that? Probably you like the machine voting 
to be frank with you, uh, having uh, had the possibility to see a lot of... Uh, yeah, that's why I'm asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, having had the possibility to see um, many um, uh, electoral processes around the world, I don't have a particular, uh, a particular um, preference, let's say, because each single system, uh, it is adaptable to a, a, a sociological and political situation of the, of the different countries. What I like is, uh, is a system where the electorate accept the result and they have trust in the electoral process. So whatever it takes uh, uh, to each and single country to adapt uh, and to implement a system that bring um, the political parties, the competitor and contestants uh, to accept uh, the result, that is the best uh, process for me. Uh, of course, I've seen, uh, uh, I think, uh, what everybody recognizes as a best practice in implementing technology, which is the introduction of electronic voting machines in Brazil, which was done in a very gradual manner, where you had, mm -hmm. uh, at the, at the, I think at the, uh, the beginning of the 90s, you, you had uh, a test in, um, uh, in cities, then in provinces, then in regions, and then nationwide. So I, I think it took more than 10 years to implement nationwide electronic voting machines in, in Brazil. But of course, you have also situations which are also positive, like uh, in, in the Netherlands, where for, I think, uh, more than 10 years, they have been uh, um, implementing full electronic votings. And since, uh, like Brazil, and, and, and like many countries implementing electronic votings, yearly you have um, context um, or competition between uh, um, informatics department of university to, to break the system. In the Netherlands, actually, one university broke the system. And uh, yeah. from that moment, they actually uh, thought that for themselves it was better to go back to paper voting. From the moment that they realized their system was breakable, they went back to uh, paper vote, voting. And then it is equally not only acceptable, but uh, um, uh, best practice. So we don't have to consider that more technology means more advanced elections and more transparency. The best option is uh, what works in a particular uh, political social context when it comes uh, to a specific elections. Uh, I think that this is a very important lesson for many uh, policymakers around the world. And uh, I'll put an end here to our conversation. Once again, thank you for being a guest to Votes and Ballots podcast. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you. This was Votes and Ballots podcast. Thank you for listening and follow us on our profiles on Facebook and Twitter.